You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast. I had to go to CBA school, salary cap school, and tampering school. Can't say, hey, I want you to come to the Lakers, even though I'm going to be wink- winking like. <laughs> On basketball and other shenanigans. I mean, good for you. I mean, you probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> you don't have that clutch connection. I have a job to do. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, I say, man. Hey, I say, hey, yo, Jermichael, he turns around. I'm like, you know Lakers coming for that ass this year, right? Uh-huh. Eddie Sun. Some voters just like to be contrarian, you know, whether it's for clicks, whether it's for just because you they like to be, be contrarian. contrarian. Yes, you do. That's true. I feel like Eddie going to be the type to be like, case. MVP? James Harden. We're not against rap. We're not against rappers. But we are against those analytics to analytics. And Julio Martinez. Braun just frustrates me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. You've been hyping up this game. Obviously, it's a big game. He he looks juice for it. Bro, just score the ball. Everybody just thinks I'm a hater. That is blasphemous. And and, and you know what's that reminiscent of? That was, you know, MVP Steph season. Oh, right? here we go. He was getting here we go. Game. All right, y'all. It's been a he great episode. Fourth quarter. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball ball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. I am your Tuesday, or should I say Wednesday host, Reagan Griffin. And as always, I'm joined by Julio Martinez, who's in the room, and Eddie Sun, who's back home. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Happy that, uh, you know, Miami finally got rid of the fakers. So The fakers. Wow. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's get into it off bat. Eddie, how about you? How are you doing? I'm doing great. Survived a hot weekend here. Although I heard it was even worse in LA. Oh my god. It was bad, dude. I, I tried to go to the track and work out and I tapped out like twenty minutes and it was like I just couldn't do this it. This is not normal. It's not, not normal. Global warming is not a myth, but that is not what the topic of today's podcast. We want to start by one of my favorite subjects, man. Cause y'all know when I play pickup basketball, I'm the clamp god. I am the Giannis onto the compo. Whoa. Of Lion Center. Not the clamp the, god. The, Okay, whatever you want to call it. I am the lockdown defender of Lion Center. That's what they, when I walk into the gym, That's Eddie can they, attest to this. Yeah. Everybody shakes in their shoes a little bit. They're like, oh no, I, I hope mean, he's not guarding me. Isn't that right, Eddie? I mean, you might be the, the Pat Bev of Lion Center. <laughs> That's just not true. Man, That's just not true. Man, he tricked y'all, man. man. He, he just be running around. Second, second team all defense? I don't know. Man, at the very least, I'm the Lou Dort of the Lion Center. Lou I'll Dort. take that one. I'll take Lou Dort. But... That is the topic of today's discussion, or at least the first part of today's discussion. The first and second team, all NBA defensive teams. Let's get into it, y'all. First team, you had Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You had uh, Ben Simmons. You had Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. And Marcus Smart. And Marcus Smart. Are we cool with those five? I am. I, I really am. Uh, I, I think Ben Simmons is, is obviously one of the more elite defenders. Obviously, in the NBA, he, I mean, he's so long and humongous, but he moves so well. So it, it's kind of like reminiscent of, you know, AD and Giannis. And, and they're all different in their own ways. But the fact is, they're all long. They all move well. And, and you know, they can they can guard, you know, big man and guard. So, I mean, they're just so versatile. Yeah, the voters could have really done a lot worse than this. And I'm a little surprised that they did end up putting Smart and Simmons on there because those are not two names that are super like hip 
when you think of defense. I mean, smart maybe. But, I would say um, Simmons is too. People generally give Simmons his props defensively. I don't know if he has that reputation among like casual NBA watchers. Uh, I mean, I think mainly I'm just surprised that uh, off of reputation they didn't put like Kawhi in there or something. Mm. But again, prop, props to the voters. That's a pretty good first team group. And now when we're looking at second team, you have Brooke Lopez, Eric Bledsoe, Patrick Beverly, questionable. I'll leave that out there. Kawhi Leonard, questionable. I'll leave that out there. And uh, Bam Adebayo. Thoughts on the second team? Uh, I I guess you could have put in uh, you know, other players instead of Kawhi and Patrick Beverly just off of the fact that you know they didn't play the whole season, and that obviously comes into the conversation when you're talking about NBA awards, uh, and, and you know awarding these players with you know these the these titles and stuff. So I guess, but I don't know any other names that. Are, do you guys have other names in your mind? Uh, I have two for sure. I wonder if we um, have the same name. You go ahead, say yours. Well, I'll go with the one I think we both have. It's Jonathan Isaac. Okay, I did not have Jonathan Isaac, but I agree with oh. you. I think Jonathan Isaac could have been on there. Hmm, okay. And my second one that I think for sure should have been on here, and this is a name that no one really cares about, but Chris Dunn should have definitely been mm, okay. on the second team. I yeah. mean, I, I can't get mad at either of those. Stats, his defensive stats are really off the charts. It's just that you know he plays on that Bulls team that – no one cares about but i mean he took a team with levine and markinen and really no defenders and when he was on the floor he turned them into an above average defense team hmm. um that's how good chris dunn is on defense not going to give you anything on the other end but uh got to give him props on the defensive end now the name that i had in mind and i it's hard to put him in here just because of the nature of the position he plays because he they play him like a big so i don't know when you're evaluating him whether you call him what he would profile as or what he actually plays as. But I feel like P.J. Tucker had an argument to be made for an all-defensive team this year. He's done a lot for that Rockets team, especially when you talk about holding down the post against some of these bigger dudes. Um, You see how well he's played against Anthony Davis, and that's really what he's been doing throughout the entirety of the regular season. Anytime there's they have this matchup where there's a 7-foot, 230-pound center, and everybody's thinking, okay, well, that's 6'4 P.J. Tucker in the post. We can go eat down there. P.J. Tucker has not been allowing that all year long, and that's why this, I mean, I know we don't take the playoffs into account, right, when we're talking about regular season awards, but they're the second-best defensive team in the, in, in the playoffs right now, and that's largely in part to what P.J. Tucker's been able to accomplish, and his role hasn't changed throughout the year, so... I think he, he at least deserved to be in the conversation, man. I don't feel like a whole lot of people give him his just due. Uh, I mean, I do. I just think there's something that goes against him, which is that the Rockets during the season were like leave, league average in defense. I think they were 14th in defensive rating. I mean, he um, can't and come to me, for P- everyone, though. <laughs> no, that's true. And, and to me, P.J. Tucker is kind of like a Andre Iguodala type to me, where when you when we all look back, um, at the NBA, we'll think of them as like really good defenders, and we'll just be surprised that they have like zero or one all defensive team accolade to their name. Because mm. I mean, Iguodala basically has only made one all defensive team, I think, and we all think of him as like a lockdown, like super smart defender. Um, just sometimes, like players are really solid defenders, but they don't kind of transcend enough, I think, for voters to really consider them to make one of these teams and that doesn't really take anything away from them but um yeah i think there's just other players that are better 
So when we talk about the other players that were better, apparently Patrick Beverly and Kawhi Leonard were transcendent enough to make the All-NBA second team. Are you gentlemen in agreement with that? Uh, I mean, I, I, I like the P.J. Tucker pick. I, I, I'm willing to choose him over Kawhi. But uh, if I want to throw out a name, too. If Lou Dort had played more minutes, mm. I feel like, he would have easily, easily been in, on one of these two teams. I mean, he, as terrible of a shooter he as he is, I mean, he was giving James Harden a lot of trouble. You know what they call Lou Dort? What? The NBA's Reagan Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's my guy, bro. Lou Dort, fan club over here. But I agree with you 100%. Yeah. He kind of really came out of nowhere, and I almost wonder if it was a matchup thing where they said this is the only guy that we have that yeah. makes sense to put on um, James Harden. But he really he, he showed his behind, as yeah. we'd say in the South. He, He's he, so disciplined, too, on defense. He's oh, so yeah. disciplined. Yeah, I mean, Ludor is a cool dude, and I think in, in a couple of years we'll be thinking of him like as a reputational lockdown defender, not just like a guy we know mm-hmm. who's good. Um, but, I mean, some other names, I think, out there that I would have replaced Pat Bev with, maybe not Kawhi, because um, Kawhi was actually pretty good in his games this year. Um, like, OG Ananobi was really good in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Toronto had, you know, one of the league's best defenses. Now, say it with your chest now, Eddie, because I've heard you say something like, Yo, OG is a better defender than Kawhi Leonard is, this at least this year. You this Are year? you holding to that? Uh, I mean, yeah. I think I think given his effort level mm. um, or lack thereof on Kawhi's side, because Kawhi doesn't really care about that end of the floor that much now. Um, yeah, I think OG was a much more solid defender. And a big reason why Toronto was so good on that end this year. Um, another guy, Jason Tatum, was really good on defense nice. this year. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good um, but everyone will, of course, think of his offense. Sometimes a player just, you know, we start to forget one side of the floor when they get so good on the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, th- those are two other names that come to mind. Uh, I'm not, like, tripping over these lists, though. There's just a lot of solid defenders in the league yeah. now. Um, a lot more than before. And um, as long as voters don't get caught into, like, voting for the big names or reputational defenders, um, I'm cool with it. Um, of course, there's always some dumb voters out there. I think Luca got one vote and Dame got a vote yeah. somehow, but that's just how it be sometimes. They said Luca's offense is so good that he's really playing defense on offense, man. It's insane. Um, but let's go ahead and get to these games, man. We, we saw two pretty good ones today. Uh, why don't we start with the Lakers game? Actually, no. Let's start with Julio's the last time you get to make this little victory lap of yours with, with the, the Heat. Bask in this moment now, man, because this might be this. This is this was a really it's a hell of a take. I gotta hand it to you. You called this from the jump. You've been saying it for a while, man, and we've seen it come finally to fruition. The Miami Heat have defeated, bested, bamboozled the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis is going home. Chris Middleton's going home. Jimmy Butler remains. And Julio, parting words on this t- on the series, man. Th- man, they they made a player retire. That's how much it hurt the Milwaukee Bucks team. For those who don't know, Marvin Williams. Uh, just just retired, and, and on that note, I mean, you know, during you know that that period in time where teams were like the Clippers, like the Bucks, like the Lakers were looking to scrap scrap up and pick up whoever they could pick up uh, for a championship run. I really thought we were gonna get Marvin Williams, and Marvin Williams chooses the Bucks over the Lakers. I mean, I really thought that was one of the dumbest moves you could make. How are you gonna choose? I mean, th- that's a story for another day, but I'm glad, you know, he had a successful career going home to his fam- family now. But, um, yeah, o- on the series, uh, 
I'm just really excited to see if Giannis leaves. And I know that's a discussion, you know, for another day. But, yeah, I mean, this Miami Heat team is so tough, so gritty. They play so well together. And, again, I know a lot of people may not agree with me, but they just have so many options to go to from every single level. And one of those guys popped off today, Tyler Hero. I mean, he is so great in the pick and roll. He can pass. He can shoot mid-range shots. He can shoot off the dribble three. He he almost uh, led the comeback last game when uh, in, in the overtime game. But you know they have so many options: Dragic, Jimmy Butler, Bam, and, and Tyler Hero, and uh, uh, Jay Crowder was shooting crazy lights out from three. Three and D. I, I mean, man, man, they they have so many options. They're going to be dangerous uh, uh, next round too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, of course. Shout out to Miami. Don't- I guess you were right all along, uh, Julio. Um, I, I like. I do want to point out too. Um, like, I love how Miami plays. I mean, I, I, I had a kind of um, inkling that this is kind of how they their bas- their style of play would have been like since the preseason, and it's cool to see it come to fruition. But um, sometimes you also have to give credit to players for hitting shots, um, like Jay Crowder going forty three percent from the field. No, from three this series. He got like, I'm pretty sure he averaged like 15 games, or sorry, 15 points a game off three-point shots this series, and that's just a killer if you're Milwaukee, um, where you have guys who normally don't hit shots like that make their shots. Um, so that's where you shout out guys like Jay Crowder and Kelly Olynyk for making their shots. Um, but then you also, you know, Goran Dragic, who I, I thought would be an X factor this series, really carved them up on that pick and roll um, against that drop defense. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, it feels like we already covered everything last time. We basically just dunked all over Milwaukee, and I guess surprisingly they pulled out that one game. But this was pretty inevitable, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially after the sprained ankle. So I want to flip you guys this question: of the two teams remaining in the East between Boston and Toronto, who do you think it's more likely for Miami to defeat? Uh, shoot, that's a tough one. I I I probably say t- Toronto as it's tough for me to say Toronto just because of their length. Uh, I don't think it would overwhelm Miami, but they they are much much longer, and the Boston Celtics just aren't that long, and it wouldn't bother Miami as much. But the but the Boston Celtics obviously have way more weapons than uh, uh, Toronto. So again, I'm banking on it. Might seem as you know simplifying an analysis or whatever. But I'm just banking on you know who's finishing games on you know on both teams, and I just I give that edge again to the Miami Heat on that end. Yeah, I'd say Toronto as well, just because Boston has more shot makers, as we're seeing in the in the Boston Toronto series right now. Um, like when it comes down to it, you can't really trust that many people on Toronto outside of. Kyle Lowry when he's hot. I mean, Ray, Reagan said it. I, I mean, they go to Fred Van Vliet. Just put Jimmy Butler on Fred Van Vliet <laughs> and bam, if, you know, they try to run a pick and roll. I mean, it's, he's too small. As, as skilled as he is, as good as he is, he's way too small. It's not going to work. It's mm. not going to work. And yeah, on the opposing side, right, when you talk about, you know, Jimmy Butler defending either Kyle Lowry, it's just the length is going to end up being what, what's the killer. I'm not sure. I don't think, it doesn't look like Toronto's going to make it out of this series. No. I, I feel like the Celtics are going to end up winning which could be interesting because I in the back of my head and I wish I would have I wish I would have been more like Julio here 
and trusted my gut a little bit more. Because in the back of my head, when I was having that, that issue of who I was going to pick to come out of the East, I said Milwaukee, but in the back of my mind, I was like, the Celtics just got hella shot makers, man. They got hella people that can make shots, and I don't know if mm-hmm. I can trust Milwaukee to do that. And, you know, credit to Julio. He was willing to go with his gut. I was not at the time. So my finals pick, by the way, guys, I'm already out. I'm already done. <laughs> Didn't take me too long for, for my stuff to be out of there because Milwaukee is gone. But let's get, get into this Lakers game, man. Julio, obviously Lakers fan. I'm a Lakers fan. So, Eddie, hope you don't mind if you take a little back seat here. Um, but we're going to get into it, man. We're going to get into it. I think? think the Lakers did a magnificent job in the second half playing defense. Mm. I mean, it was it was they played it so so perfect. They would let James Harden, okay, if people don't know, like when people when, when uh point guards bring up the ball, they usually cross the half court line at 18 seconds or so. Mm. They'll do like the Houston Rockets they give like three passes and it always ends up back in James Harden's hand in like 12 seconds remaining, 13 seconds remaining. And so what they what the Lakers did, they were sending a double at, you know, at, at the, you know, 10 second ish uh, a marker. And when you send the double then, he's forced to pass to his teammates and his teammates have to take a rush shot. And usually that ended up in, you know, Russell Westbrook taking a bad kind of fadeaway mid-range jumper or one of one of their teammates taking a, a rush three-pointer. And I mean, they rotated so, so well, and it played to their advantage to go small. You can play small because, you know, your big man AD can actually move really well and cover guys like James Harden, like PJ, just cover guys on the perimeter. JaVale McGee can't really do that. That's why he only played six minutes tonight. Seven minutes for JaVale McGee. Seven minutes Beautiful. for JaVale. Beautiful. But, but, I mean, they played it perfect to a T in the second half particular, you know, in that last stretch and that last run in the fourth quarter. I mean, it, it was amazing. And it was, uh, again, great to see LeBron attacking and, and him getting hot. Rondo off, obviously played let, magnificent. Let me, let me hold your thought. Let me hold your thought because that's where I was going, man. All right. I know I talked a little bit of trash. When Rondo came back, I was thinking, man, if this guy sees the floor, I'm going to be pissed. 30 minutes, 29 or 21 points, 9 assists. 8 of 11 from the field and 3 of 5 from 3? Y'all, is this playoff Rondo, bro? Is that, is that playoff, playoff Rondo? Is, but, it, but, is this still a thing? I mean, I mean one, one thing I will say is that it, it's not uh, obviously reliable, but when you see it, I mean, it's it's really great to see him, you know, kind of running the team when he's when LeBron's off the floor. And, and I, know, I know Eddie had a tweet that, that was pretty funny to me that, you know, he passed it to an open Markeith Morris and it's like, Mark Jackson is over here like, oh, wow, he's an extension of the coach. It's amazing. But he he really – I mean, it really does seem like that sometimes because, I mean, he really does run the team well. He directs guys where they need to go. But, again, I don't trust these performances to be, you know, dependable, I guess. And he's still an atrocious three-point shooter. So, I mean, I, I, I'll be curious to see if he doesn't play well who – who will Frank Vogel play instead of him in, in the lineup? LeBron. <laughs> LeBron's just going 48, but I don't know. We spoke our piece, Eddie. What, what are your thoughts on the Lakers game? Yeah, I mean, to add on to the Rondo conversation, obviously I think we all owe him a little two-game apology for having a good, you know, game two and game three. But if you're in Houston, right, and, you know, you have, like, number one on your scouting report, like, limit 
uh, Anthony Davis, easy buckets, right? Then you keep going down the list and maybe like Rondo threes is like the last thing on your scouting report. Like if, if they're going to beat you by Rondo hitting threes, then, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it because that's probably your best possible alternative. And if Rondo's going to shoot 50% from three for the rest of the series, then, well, I mean, Houston can only just say, well, you know, we did our best. But right? it, it wasn't just the threes, though, right? He had three or five from three, and that, that's nine points. But to me, the thing that pops out is those nine assists. That That's really freaking good, especially for a team that lacks um, ways to create offense when LeBron's not on the court. You have a dude that's out there dropping nine assists. That's huge in my eyes. That's huge. I mean, I think those nine assists show their value um, in that Rondo is the only guy outside of LeBron on that team that can find teammates in advantageous solutions. I don't think Rondo's a guy who's getting those assists because he's really, like, creating opportunities by his own kind of playmaking. Like, this is just him, like, leading players the right way. Yeah. Um, But again, that being said, if he can't hit his shots and the defenders sag off of him, a la, you know, Westbrook style, then he loses a lot of his value if he's not making those shots. So what the Lakers need to do is make sure that they stay disciplined, that, you know, Rondo and, and the coaching staff and all of them don't start thinking, you know, Rajon is suddenly Clay Thompson and they start giving him like 10 threes a game because that's where you start shooting yourself out of it. And um, on the flip side, if I'm Houston, um, you got to really be kicking yourself that they strayed away from the game plan here because there's really no way Houston should be finishing the game with the same amount of threes taken as the Lakers. Um, I think both of them finish with 33s, uh, 33 point attempts today. And that's where, you know, if you're Houston, you just have to be more disciplined. Um, the Laker defenders are running them off the line, but you have to use that aggressive defense to penetrate the rim and kick out for more three point opportunities, not drive to the rim and try to finish over Anthony Davis. Um, that's just not a good, that, that's just not a good game plan. And also, like, if we're talking about Russell Westbrook, I know he had 38-6 and six today and, you know, pretty good efficiency from the field. But, like, do we think he had a good game? Yeah, like, it's I, just I, so I, hard. Yeah, I, I watched the game, and obviously, you know, he, he, was make, he, you know, he was making a lot of shots, obviously, and had a lot of field goals. But I really didn't think he played a good game either. I, I can see your point on that, and I can't really describe it. In words, but I, I know I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But yeah, I mean, he was a game low minus 14, and I know single game plus minus is not a great stat to go off of. But it's just like the things he does just frustrates me. And I mean, you guys know this, but the Rockets need him to be a type of player that he's just not like putting to mind right now. Like when Harden's getting doubled, they need Westbrook to be an efficient cutter. And when Westbrook is driving to the rim, they don't need him settling for weird like fadeaways mid-rangers um they don't need him trying to finish over anthony davis like they need him to penetrate draw defenders in and kick out for threes and for some reason he's just not putting that to mind right now i and agree with you he had a great game because he almost had a triple double but like he's just not effective I, I agree with you but what I, I i hesitate to do is put the entire burden of his performance and his role in the offense in general on him because there's clearly a disconnect, and really, when you've had an entire season to figure these things out, it should have been figured out by this time. So, I put it on the collective, whether it's him, James Harden, um, Mitch Cup, not Mitch Kupchak, God, uh, Mike D'Antoni. Uh, I don't think it's just on Westbrook to figure it out, but obviously, when you have him saying the other day, right, I need to watch film and figure out exactly what my role is in this offense, 
it's like now we're doing that <laughs> this, this, this is the time mid playoff series when, when you're tied 1-1 with the Lakers now you're watching film to figure it out so I, I do think the collect the Rockets collectively should have had this figured out earlier but not just Westbrook if that makes sense also on two you know two defensive points on for both teams the Rockets were running out to shooters like the Lakers were the Golden State Warriors. It, it was it was insane. You know, guys were getting in the lane like crazy. And then B on, on the on the on the other end, you know, th- I want to highlight the defensive play of the Lakers again because when when you when you double James Harden, they don't have a lot of guys who can, I guess, create off the dribble for themselves. They can, you know, anybody can penetrate for their teammates, but nobody can really, you know create for themselves off the dribble except maybe Austin Rivers but he doesn't get he doesn't get enough PT to to show that zero points tonight for him right yeah so uh they, they don't really have guys who can really create for themselves and that's an issue because if you just double James Harden at, at the 10 second you know shot clock mark I mean they don't have enough time to to give it back to James Harden and and you know he's just going to shoot a rush 3 so I mean, I mean, the Lakers played magnificent defense and rotations tonight. I mean, let's, uh, yeah. on the on the note of rotations, man, this is really interesting to look at when you have the Rockets who played Harden thirty eight minutes, Tucker thirty eight minutes, Covington thirty six minutes, Gordon thirty six minutes, Westbrook thirty six minutes, Jeff Green thirty five minutes, and then you had Austin Rivers and Ben Lack- McLemore for a combined twenty one minutes. Like they really just relied on six dudes throughout the entire game. That to me is not sustainable at all. I mean, that's what that's what D'Antoni does, though, um, in the playoffs, if you look at it historically. And, I mean, if they had Daniel House this game, I think it'd be a little different. Like, House is a good player for them. True, But true. McLemore and Rivers is getting uh, cooked on defense every yeah. time they're on the yeah. floor. And there were just liabilities where you couldn't play him like that. What's the deal with House? Is he coming back? They said it was personal issues. I'm not, I'm not sure what that means. But hopefully he's back sooner than later. Okay. Let's real quick cover these uh, these other two games that we missed in the meantime. The Clippers game, the Clippers versus Nuggets, and then obviously there might not be a ton to say about the Celtics in Toronto, but let's focus on the Clippers and the Nuggets. What were your thoughts on those games? Eddie, that you game. can go first. I think this is that the game three, the last game, is one of those cases where you look at Denver and you, and you think like they played about like as good of a game as you can probably play um, to their standards. You know, like they were zipping the ball around, like finding, um, you know, finding players to take shots in, in good situations. Jokic was really dominating the game. Like defensively, their game plan, they executed it pretty well. You know, not a ton of lapses. And when you look at the end, um, you go, well, the Clippers have Lou Williams and they have Paul George and they have Kawhi Leonard. But- and when you have that much talent and they just lock in for six minutes, that's all you need to beat, you know, the Nuggets. Yes. And... That, I mean, that, that's just the nature of talent in the NBA, where I think Denver played the better, crispier game, but the Clippers had more talent. But it, it's not also talent. It, it's also experience and leadership. And I was waiting for you to add one more thing to your point. The Nuggets played as well as well of a game they as they could play for three or three and a half quarters. And what got the best of them, which is what I thought was going to get the best of them in game two is their lack of maturity and lack of leadership. I, if you, again, like Jokic, I know you think you get fouled on every single play, but you cannot complain. Look at the ref and put up hands like, like you're like, please, I'm praying to God. Like call, call the foul. 
Especially and, when you slow. And, 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 like, come on. Like, you got to focus on the game. You're not going like, to get every foul thing, call. Like, LeBron will do that, but LeBron's a world-class athlete. He can sprint back up court and catch yeah. up. Jokic will run, like, a 5-5-40. He's not getting the back up court. Yeah, if he and, 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 you know, every team is going to have turnovers. Every team is going to have mental lapses. It, it's fine. Every team is going to miss shots. But what you can't do is put your head down. They don't have a guy like LeBron. And, hey, hey. Come on, we're good, we're good, we're good. They don't have that guy. That guy is supposed to be Jokic or Jamal Murray, and I, I see their faces, and whenever the camera show the, shows their faces, they never talk. That that's, You can't have that in, in, in leaders on your team, and maybe that's supposed to be Paul Millsap, but Paul Millsap is a vet who doesn't really talk either. So, I, I don't know. To me, it's just their lack of immaturity. They obviously have a lot of talent. And you know that that but that goes unsaid. What what finishes the job is experience and leadership. And on that note, with you know a specific example of that, Michael Porter Jr. When he caught it on the wing, I'm like, that's a dunk. That's a dunk. And I was so happy he dunked it on Montrez. Mm. But what happened on the next play? He missed a wide open. T- and I know he saw him too because when you elevate over guys, I mean, he he clearly saw his teammate under the basket with no one around him. He refused to pass him the ball. He missed the shot. He came down. He caused a turnover, and then he fouled Montrez for an and one. That's straight immaturity. That's so immature. And, and on another play, it was three on two, and then he refused to pass it to his teammates. Like everybody falls in love with f- flashy plays, but it's just so immature how they play. So immature. So immature. The dunk was lit though. <laughs> the dunk was lit though. It that was. got me out of my seat. The dunk was. was crazy, bro. When he drove the lane, that, that one got me out of my seat, but. I'm glad you brought up the team dynamics because I think that's something that somewhat goes understated when it comes to sports. We look at the talent. We we look at, you know, how things work chemistry wise on the court, but you need leadership to take you over the hump. You can't point to a single championship team ever, ever in the history of sports that didn't have top quality leaders on that team. Whether you go back last year and you had Kyle Lowry leading that team, you had Mm -hmm. uh, the year before Stephen Curry, I know you're going to enjoy this one, Eddie, one of the greatest leaders in this sport, you know, one of the more selfless leaders in this sport. Um, you know, every championship caliber team has really good leaders. And uh, I agree with you, Julio. Uh, I, I had I had high hopes for Jokic, man. I, I still have high hopes for Jokic. Um, I even put him in, the, in that Twitter post where I said there's a, I don't want to say I said eight superstars in the NBA right now. And I put Jokic on that list, even though I was a little bit unsure about it. I gave him the benefit of the doubt, and it seems like that's coming back to bite me right now because he's not looking like a superstar. What do you guys think about the narrative that he um that he, your your team is capped so long as you have him on the court? Just from a defensive standpoint, not even talking about leadership, but you know, just because your team is so limited defensively with him on the court that you can never ascend to a championship caliber team. I'll flip that to you, Eddie. What do you think about that? I mean, I think a team defense, like I think of. Um, like the concept where uh, of like table legs, um, and, and bear with me for this. Where well, I'm with you, you have, See, physics. Where if you where if you have one wobbly leg, um, it's okay. The other three legs are sturdy because they'll hold the fourth in place. Mm. Um, but except think of it like a pentagon now, where you have you know if you have four really sturdy defenders, you can make up for your fifth. Um, and this is easier said for perimeter defense. Like it's a little tougher for interior defense, like a guy like Jokic. But um, again, if you find the right personnel to put around him and they and for the most part like they they have pretty good defensive personnel between Millsap and Grant and Gary Harris um and for the for the most part like they turned Jokic into a passable defender for most of this regular season 
Um, I think in crucial moments, you have to make sure all the players are on the same page and you have to make sure you don't put Jokic on an island against, you know, uh, talented offensive players. But if you have, if, if the rest of the team are solid to like good defenders, then I think you can make Jokic work on defense. On that note, we're coming up on our time, y'all. Anything else to add, Julio? This is your last chance to gloat in your Miami glory, man. I'll uh, give you the parting word. No, but yeah, last thing on the Nuggets, I just feel like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it seems like I like to bash on teams I don't like. Hater. But, it's the, the resident hater right here, man. He don't, he don't like nobody. It really seems like they walk into the locker room at halftime and like they, they hold their heads down if they're losing. It's like they're really high when they're doing well and really low when they're not. And they just have no voice that brings them all together. And then, yeah, just last point on on uh, Giannis and the Bucks. I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. <laughs> they need to fire the coach. They need to restructure uh, the roster. And if they don't, just gonna keep getting, you know, netting the same results. So, yeah, I, I, I told, I told people, I told people. That is the word from Julio Martinez. You heard it here on the Hoop and Holler Show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in on yet another episode. Make sure you go follow at SQR1 Media on Twitter and Instagram and SQR1 Hoops on Twitter and Instagram for, for a specific Hoop and Holler experience. Thank you guys, like I said, so much for tuning in, Julio. Congrats, man. You were right. We'll see you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast.